Go ahead and get some scripture in front of you. You can open to Psalm 42, which is where we're going to be in a few minutes. Uh, Go ahead and get that in front of you. Uh, You can open the Bible app and get it on there, or hard copy in the chair in front of you, or your own copy of scripture. Hard copy, whatever you prefer. I'm going to give us a short intro here, and then we'll spend some time hopping to several different scriptures this morning, and looking forward to jumping into those scriptures that we have. I'm going to have you guys flip into all different passages. If you got the hard copy and if you got the app, it'll be all right there for you. I showed you last year, one of my favorite, uh, last week, one of my favorite, uh, actually two weeks ago, one of my favorite Christmas presents. It was uh, when I was uh, 10, 11 years old, and it was the Scout 788 BB gun. And I brought it up here on stage and showed you guys. And it was one of my favorite Christmas presents that I have received. And I thought I would show you a picture this morning, not necessarily of any favorite Christmas presents I received, but this captures my uh, childhood pretty well. That's me. I'm uh, guessing uh, probably, I don't know, five or six maybe. And this captures my childhood pretty well. Um, at Christmas is for a couple of years anyway. All I wanted was Star Wars stuff. And as I reflected on that, I'm like, yeah, not a lot has changed <laughs> in all these years. <laughs> in our series, we're considering gifts of Christmas. And we're looking at gifts that we can receive through Christ, who, of course, is our ultimate gift. So far, we've considered the gift of comfort two weeks ago and the gift of forgiveness last week. And even if you weren't here and you think about the gift of comfort and the gift of forgiveness, and maybe you miss those and you're like, man, I wish I could hear that. Go back, watch online, a powerful word from the scriptures on each of those. And I want to tell you guys this, Each of these gifts that we're looking at so far, comfort and forgiveness, they tell us something about our current reality. And when I say our, not necessarily our, but your current reality when you think about those gifts. And I'm going to say that again and then explain what I mean. Each of these gifts tells us something about our current reality. Here's what I mean. So about three weeks ago, If you would have said, hey, Dustin, got a gift for you, and you rolled up in a brand new snowblower, I would have said, hey, thanks, but I've already got a snowblower that's great. And and I would have found someone else to give it to. That gift wouldn't have spoken very well to my current reality. But now... Now, if you brought a snowblower to my house and said, here's a new snowblower, I would say, wow, how did you know mine was broken? (laughs) See, the gift, the significance of the gift, it says something about our current reality. The significance of the gift correlates with the current reality that the gift enters into. And so, 
the week so far, the gift of comfort communicates the reality of our hurt and discomfort, right? The gift of comfort communicates the reality of our discomfort or our hurt. The gift of forgiveness communicates the reality of our sin before a holy God, right? If you don't realize your sin before a holy God, that that's your current reality, then the gift of forgiveness is not going to mean a whole lot, right? If you don't realize, recognize your hurt and your sin, the gifts of comfort and forgiveness, they're just going to fall flat. And today, the gift we need to consider is hope. That's what we're chatting about today, hope. And the gift of hope communicates this truth. And so we already talked about comfort and forgiveness, what those communicate about our reality. Here's what the gift of hope communicates, that all is not as it should be. That's what the gift of hope communicates. The reality that the gift of hope enters into is that, not, that, that all is not as it should be. In order to recognize the significance of hope, You have to be in a place where you know that all is not as it should be in this world and even in your life. And if you have not gotten to that place, then the gift of hope is is just not going to mean a whole lot. See, with all of us on some level, there's a sense of unmet expectations in in our lives right now. I would, if I was a wagering man, I would wager that most of us have some kind of sense of unmet expectations in life, that all is not as it should be. A longing for something to happen that just hasn't happened for you, at least yet. And I've walked through a list like this before. I think it's helpful, especially when we think about hope. Just, just think about this. For some of us, our hope is just to finish high school and move out or move away, right? And maybe you can identify with that from the past. You couldn't wait to get out of the town you grew up in. Maybe that's where you currently are. For some, it's to find a spouse, to get married. That's what you're hoping for. For some, it's to have kids, start a family. Maybe that's what's out there for you, kind of as a hope. For some, it's to land the dream job. For some, it's to finally make it to retirement. For some, it's to have grandkids and have a lot of them. And then with each of these things that we can find ourselves hoping for, with each of these There can be a hope for those things to fulfill you in some way. And that's right. What what you were thinking is, if I just get this, then then I'll be fulfilled in some way. So you're looking at that and hoping that those things will fulfill you in some way. Maybe you've even got that thing you were hoping for, and it hasn't filled you like you thought it would. And so you're just hoping for more fulfillment in that thing that you thought would fulfill you in the first place. Maybe you've given up on finding fulfillment in that thing and you just moved on to the next thing in life. That's what we do so oftentimes, right? We've given up on one thing, whether it's being married or having kids or whatever, and we just like, ah, that'll never happen. Let me find something else to put my hope in. Let me find something else to hope for in life. And I just wonder, can anyone identify with any of that, right? No, no, I can. It's just easy. It's easy to be in a hopeful state for the next phase of life, whatever you think is next, instead of living where you are, right? It's easy to get in that mode. See, this 
speaks to the way we use the word hope. And I know this is kind of a longer intro before we get to the scriptures, but we need to lay some groundwork here. This speaks to the way that we use the word hope. See, when we use the word hope, we're typically saying we wish, right? That's typically the way we use the word hope. Like you could say, I hope, we're supposed to have a storm coming in Monday, right? I hope that it snows a foot Monday night so I can ride powder. Or I hope that it does not snow a foot Monday night because I don't have a blower. (laughs) Right? It's hope. It's just wishing, right? It's looking at the probability, almost like we would look at a weather map and, 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 and hope for a probability, wish for a certain probability. In the deeper sense, we hope our marriage doesn't fail. We hope our kids make wise decisions. It's Almost as if we're stating our desires or making wishes based on probabilities. That's the way we use the word hope. But biblical hope is different. And this is the foundation that we're going to get into before we get into the scriptures. A couple of definitions here. Biblical hope is a little different. It's not optimism based on the odds. That's the way we typically like to use the word hope. It's just optimism based on a set of odds. We wish or desire for something to happen. Biblical hope is not that. Biblical hope is a confident waiting on God to fulfill His promises. Biblical hope is a confident waiting on God to fulfill His promises. Biblical hope, this was really helpful for me as I kind of mashed several different definitions together this week. Biblical hope isn't wishing on unknown probabilities, which again is what we like to, the way we like to use hope. Biblical hope isn't wishing on unknown probabilities, but confidently waiting on God's known promises. And all of a sudden, that kind of got me excited. That was kind of a different shift for me when it came to hope. And so as I began to process, I was like, so hope is waiting. It's a confident waiting on God to fulfill His known promises. And so I began to think about waiting. And I was like, well, that sounds boring. Waiting, really, that's, that's what hope is, just waiting. Because when I think about waiting, I think of a waiting room. And I'm supposed to be thinking about what I'm waiting for, and usually it's not something exciting, right, dentist? Waiting, the waiting room? Waiting rooms are boring. They're are all kinds of current event magazines you can flip through from August of 2017. <laughs> it's boring. Waiting is boring. But realize the dullness or excitement of waiting is really all about what you're waiting for, right? If you're waiting to see the dentist, not a lot of excitement. Waiting to get a shot in your heel, Not a lot of excitement. Waiting for a roller coaster? (sighs) A little different, right? A little different when it depends on what you're waiting for. And let me tell us, in God's promises, we're waiting on confidently hoping in some incredible stuff. So I think when it comes to hope in God and hope in His promises, we can default to thinking we're waiting in a waiting room like to see the dentist instead of waiting in a line like for a roller coaster 
uh, or waiting nine months for a child to be born. There's a different excitement about that. So let's dig in and see what God's Word has for us that we might better understand this gift of hope this Christmas. We'll skip around a little bit this morning as we consult the Word and try to figure something out about biblical hope. Psalm 42, verse 11 is where I had asked you to go ahead and turn. Psalm 42, verse 11. Um, Take a second and um, actually... Yeah, there it is. So take a second with someone around you, and I want you to interact with someone around you and not read this all out loud together, but take a second, read that just with someone right there close to you in your little group of two. And I want you to soak in the words and just think about it for a second. So go ahead and do that. Okay, I think most of you are done. I want to say something about Psalm chapter 42 in general, because this is one some of you will want to bookmark this morning and come back to later today or later this week. Psalm 42 is incredibly helpful if you have been feeling defeated, depressed, downcast, Just listen, you don't have to, it's not going to be on the screen, you don't have to follow along with me, but just listen to some of the things the psalmist says here before we get to verse 11. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. What a great reminder there. When shall I come and appear before God? In verse 3, the psalmist says this, My tears have been my food day and night. And we really think about what it means for tears to be your food. It means you're not eating, right? It means you're not eating except for the tears that are coming down your face. And that hits some of us, right? While they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? And then the psalmist several different times in this passage says this. These things I remember as I pour out my soul. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you. There's this exercise of remembering when we're downcast and when we're depressed and when we're defeated. And then we get some truth here that you guys just read. Follow along with me verse 11 why are you cast down O my soul and why are you in turmoil within me it's almost like he's talking to himself here right and then he tells himself something hope in God that's what he tells himself hope in God for I shall again praise him my salvation, and my God. 
See, this passage gives us the object of hope. If you're following along, if you're jotting notes down, what we learn here is who the object of our hope should be. Because I think some of us have a what, what the object of our hope should be, and it's more in a what, and we learn here that the object of our hope should actually be a who. Surprise, it's God, a relationship with Him. He should be the object of our hope, where our hope lies. See, this really speaks to misplaced hope. At least it does with me. When we see that the object of our hope should be Him, a relationship with Him, and then we begin to realize that we have misplaced hope, that the object of our hope has become something other than Him. Misplaced hope, when our hope isn't in Him. See, when it's in one of the things on the list we mentioned earlier as we work down through there, church, when He isn't the object of our hope, we can experience a downcast soul and turmoil within. And so if I'm offering some advice here from the Scriptures, if you would describe yourself in that way, having a downcast soul, turmoil within, I'm going to use the word could. You could have an issue of misplaced hope. Could. Could be something else. But when we read here about what, the way the psalmist describes his state of being, and then he says the answer is to place his hope in God, which implies misplaced hope. Let's keep going. Romans chapter 15. Go ahead and turn over to the New Testament. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. And so, as we're kind of hitting some of these scriptures this morning, kind of jumping around, looking for insight on hope, we find ourselves in Romans chapter 15, verse 13. There's a greater context that may be helpful for you guys to go and read it. The rest of the passage says some more about hope, the verses above what we're going to read this morning. But maybe we recognize our need for hope. Maybe we even recognize misplaced hope, that my hope's been placed in something over here, that instead of confidently waiting on God and His promises, uh, I've placed my hope somewhere else. And we realize, okay, I've had misplaced hope. But maybe we jump down and say, okay, I, I realize I have a need for my hope to be in Him. But maybe the question for you is, where does hope come from? How do, how do I get hope? Where does it come from and so Romans chapter 15 verse 13 goes like this may the God of what hope the God of what hope he's the God of hope and so we're sourcing our hope in him that, that's where it comes from the God of hope and it will get some confirmation of that here in a second may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in what? Hope. Where does hope come from? Comes from God through the Spirit. And I just had to pause this week in preparation and, and just think back, uh, when was the last time I even asked for hope, right? Because I think the way we handle it is, that, well, I either have it or I don't have it. And if I don't have it, I don't know what to do. Maybe we ask Him for it. 
comes from Him. He's the God of hope. Through His Spirit, He gives us hope abundantly. Maybe we ask Him for it. And so, we've seen the object of hope. We've seen the source of hope. And now we'll see the outcomes of hope in our life. And this is where it starts to get exciting because we see the fruit or the outcome of hope in our lives. What happens when we place our hope in Him and His promises? Hebrews chapter 10. Go ahead and turn there. If you've got uh, the hard copy in your app, it'll be right there. Hebrews chapter 10. I love the verses that are around this one. I'll restrain myself from just reading a huge chunk of verses here. I love verse 24. We're going to be in verse 23 only. I'll force myself to stop and not just keep reading just for the sake of time. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 23 says this, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Let us hold fast to the hope that we have. Let us keep on hoping uh, without stopping to hope. Let us keep on hoping is what he's saying. Well, why? Why do we keep on hoping in him? Why do we keep on placing our hope in him? And he tells us, for he who promised is faithful. The God that we're hoping in is faithful to fulfill his promises. And so if we're, I just told you guys we were going to look at the outcomes of hope. Here's the outcome of hope according to this. Our hope isn't based on probabilities. It's based on his faithfulness. So what's the outcome of placing our hope in him? He comes through with his promises. And some of us need to hear that this morning, that God comes through with his promises. Psalm 119, flip backwards again, Psalm 119. I told you if you got hard copy, I'm going to make your fingers sore this morning. Psalm 119, verse 114. It's a long psalm, if you didn't know. Psalm 119, verse 114, says this. You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. You're my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. What's the outcome for placing our hope in God and His word? He'll be our shelter, our shield, our hiding place. Isaiah 40. Flip over to the right a little more. Isaiah 40. This is a good what one teacher calls it, coffee mug verse. You guys have heard this one. It's key in thinking about us confidently waiting on God and His promises. Isaiah chapter 40. We'll start in verse 29. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted but they who what wait they who wait for the lord shall renew their strength they shall mount up with wings like eagles they shall run and not be weary and shall walk and not faint what's the outcome for confidently waiting on god there's renewal and strength right renewal and strength 
Those are outcomes. It's not exhaustive. Those are outcomes when we place our hope in Him, when we wait on the Lord. See, in this series, we've also reflected on re-gifting these gifts of Christmas, right? Re-gifting them, not because they're terrible gifts and we need to pass them on to somebody else, but re-gifting them in the sense of like reading a good book and we can't wait to give it to somebody else or seeing a movie and we can't wait to tell someone about the movie, how great it was so that they can see it too. There's an element of re-gifting these gifts of Christmas. And so, like the other gifts, hope is meant to be re-gifted, shared with others. And can we be frank, so many people in our lives need to hear of the hope we have in Christ. Look at 1 Peter chapter 3, all the way back toward the end of the Scriptures. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense or to give an answer to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Then he gives us some insight of how to do that with gentleness and respect. See, when I've been around people who don't know Christ, I've on occasion had some, maybe you've had this happen of, where someone looks at something in your life, sees something in your life that may be admirable or good, and they say something like, wow, you're awesome. Or, you're so good, you do, you do this so right. And, just, and, and in that moment, isn't our default, oh, shucks, thanks. Because we don't know what else to say in that moment. Maybe we're uncomfortable, right? With, with someone pointing something out in our lives as if it had to do anything with us in the first place. But in this, we're ready to give an answer to the hope that's within us. And it's something beyond, yeah, you're right, I'm pretty awesome, right? It's, well, anything good in me just comes from Jesus, really. That may be a weird answer. And you can say that. That may be a weird answer to say, but anything good in me just comes from Jesus, just comes from Christ. Being ready to give a reason for the hope that is within us. And so here at the end, if biblical hope is waiting on God to fulfill His promises, this sermon wouldn't be complete if we didn't look at a couple of the promises, right? If we're just talking about, well, patiently waiting on God and for Him to fulfill His promises. That's hope. Amen. We'll see you later. A couple of promises that I think are super encouraging for us when we talk about biblical hope, waiting on God to fulfill His promises. This one's not on the screen. You don't have to turn there. I just want us to remember this first one, and then the second one, we'll go to some Scripture. First one is, as believers, His presence in your life. That's a promise. That, that we can lose sight of so easily, right? Right? See, our lives can look like uh, what the psalmist says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it's really scary because you're not here. 
That's what we can default to, right, when we're walking through hard stuff and we forget that that's not how the psalm actually goes. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I won't fear any evil because you're with me, your presence. So we talk about this. Not every week, but most weeks. How life isn't easy, how we have great need, especially at Christmas, right? We've talked about this, that Christmas can be difficult, can be a hard time for a number of different reasons, and we don't sweep that under the rug here. And so when we think about that, maybe you need to be reminded as a believer, His presence in your life, Emmanuel, God with us, right? So whatever you're walking through, that's a promise. Second one, see Jesus, we celebrate His coming this time of year. He came on the scene, right? Bethlehem, no wise men, just in case you forgot. When you think about Him coming on the scene, but there were shepherds, right? There was, uh, we assume there was an innkeeper. It says the inn was full, but we assume there was an innkeeper. But when we think about Jesus coming on the scene and we celebrate that and we see Jesus in the manger, we see Jesus, the images with him laying in a pile of hay in some kind of feed trough and we see Mary and Joseph, we celebrate all that and yet at Christmas when we talk about how the Israelites were hoping, they were confidently waiting on, on this Savior to come how easily we can forget that we're in the same boat waiting for our Savior to come again, right? And so that's where we're going to go. This promise that Christ is coming back, and this is an amazing promise of things to come for those who have placed their faith in Him. We can confidently wait on regardless of what you're walking through today. And this is, this is us saying, okay, I know things are not as they should be right now, but Lord, would you lift our eyes and put, a, put our eyes on eternity, the eternity that's to come, Jesus, when you come back. And so Revelation chapter 21, what a powerful passage to read right here. Revelation 21, we're just going to read verses 1 through 5. Again, this is another passage you can come back to here and spend some time in as we seek to lift our eyes off our current circumstances and the misplaced hope of this life. And if, and if hope is confidently waiting on God to fulfill His promises, this is a big one. Revelation chapter 21, verse 5. I mean, verse 1 through 5. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Church, when I see this promise to bring an end to all suffering and to make 
all things new. I get punished, right? And I wonder if you see the thrill of hope as I saw it this week. As we already sang about this morning, there's that line that we sang, a thrill of hope. And I think if, if anyone would have asked me, maybe even before this week in my time in the Scriptures, hey, you know what's really thrilling? It'd be like a powder day, I don't know. <laughs> Star Wars? I don't know. And if they would have said, no, it's hope, I would have been like, yeah. Yeah, sure. I mean, the pastor surely in that moment would have gone, oh, yeah, hope. It really, very exciting, church. But I don't know if I would have understood that and, and felt it the way I have after looking at hope this week and thinking about the eternity that's to come. And then when I think about biblical hope being waiting on God to fulfill His known promises, at least one of those being eternity with Him, no more sorrow, no more pain. It's thrilling, right? It's thrilling. And then the song continues, a weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. And we sing that about Christ's first coming, but what truth there is in singing about it in regards to His second coming, right? Right today, a thrill of hope when we think about our eternity with Him. Our weary world right now, whether it's your own kind of personal world or whether it's kind of your family world or even on the global scale, you could be, man, we can rejoice even in our weariness because yonder breaks, which we don't say that very often. <laughs> but right over there, just over the hill, breaks a new and glorious morn. When He comes back for us, His bride. He's coming back again, and that hope isn't a dead hope. Peter calls it a living hope. It's not something that's dead. It's not just a theory. It's a reality. In the Scriptures, Peter tells us that because Christ's death and resurrection, we have a living hope, and that's squarely centered on and founded in Christ and His finished work. The promise of the Spirit within us as believers, never leaving us or forsaking us. And then the promise of eternity with Him, where there will be no more suffering or pain and all things will be made new. That kind of hope is thrilling. See, a hope that your circumstances would get better? I mean, be nice. But that's not quite as thrilling as thinking about eternity with Him. So, maybe regardless of current circumstance, may we by His Spirit wait confidently on our God to fulfill every one of His promises. That's really where my heart landed this week when it comes to biblical hope and what we have as a seal of what Christ has done. The Spirit now, His presence in us and eternity with Him, regardless of what we're walking through. If you're a believer, you have the opportunity to celebrate and and even feel the thrill of, of that kind of hope. Let's go to him in prayer. Lord, we...
tell you that we, we really wrestle with the idea of hope. Our usage of hope is just more about probabilities, about something that may or may not happen. And when we see hope in your word, it's, it's us waiting confidently for you to fulfill your known promises. So Lord, that gives us hope today, regardless of what we're walking through. And if we're believers in Christ, if we've been saved by grace through faith and entered into relationship with you, we have the promise of your presence with us, regardless of what we're walking through, and we have the promise of eternity with you, regardless of what we're walking through right now. And we thank you that that hope is living, Jesus, because of what you've done for us, your body broken, your blood shed, and then you coming out of the grave, defeating sin and death. And that's a living hope, Jesus, because you are living today. This isn't just some theory. And I pray that you would help us wrap our heads and our hearts around that reality, Jesus, that you are living today. Jesus, you inside of us, our hope of glory. I pray that we'd be able to offer you whatever circumstances we're walking through this morning and maybe even tell you as the psalmist did, my soul pants for you, God. Tears are my food. It's not fun. And maybe by your Spirit, Lord, you lift our eyes up off our circumstance on to our relationship with you, your presence in our lives right now, and then our hope of eternity. God, your known promise. I pray, Lord, that as we take communion together, as we sing together today, Lord, would you continue to do a work in us? Just continue to soften us. So easy to have a hard heart. You'd soften our hearts. We love you. Lord, I pray by your Spirit we would place our hope in you anew this morning. Lord, by your Spirit, may it be so. We pray these things in your name. Amen.